Welcome to Safe House. Welcome to the Safe House studio. I don't know what episode this is. Welcome to Safe House. I'm back. Fabulous. It's a completely safe space for you to talk about whatever you want. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can bleep shit out. The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye. Okay, so welcome to Safe House. In the Safe House studio today, I have a very special guest. Um, I call her my drag stepmom. I have the gorgeous Banksy. Hello. Also, studio bullshit. We're in your <laughs> living room. I have to say, do you know what I used to say even when I was on Zoom? I mean, you're on Zoom. It's my studio. I can't afford a studio, so it's my. They don't room. know where I am. It's not video. I'll describe it to them. It's a four by four room. There's shit in the corner. <laughs> Um, she lives in absolute squalor. Squalor is what I'd describe it as. Please welcome to the stage, squalor. Squalor! Squawk! Um, so, first of all, before we get into anything, pronouns. Throw them out there if you use them, don't if you don't. Well, I'm in my skivvies today. Um, I'm completely nude from the waist down. <laughs> and so I do go by they, them when mm-hmm. I do that. However, when I'm in drag, I don't really care. I always say, if it doesn't come from malicious ways what do you call it? intent it, malicious intent i'll go by anything to mm-hmm. be honest just look at how i present if i'm presenting hyperfem go by she her if i'm doing a bit of a mask day mm-hmm. he him oh sorry i should probably turn my phone off yes um, please do in the studio that Same wasn't for- that wasn't you know it'll affect the equipment won't it so i can't do that <laughs> uh, it's just all my adoring fans no uh but then when i present mask it to him and when i'm a bit of an alien go with they them but today uh-huh. i think they them's good gorge so I always say that when I have anyone in the studio, I want to explain like what it is. So I'm going to say studio throughout, so don't make me laugh. <laughs> studio. <laughs> it's, it's a completely safe space for you to talk about whatever you want. You can say anything, bring up anything. I have like a rough guide of what I want to talk about, but you can just go off the cuff and do whatever. So trauma-wise, like. let's start. <laughs> uh, abuse, quite a few. Uh, <laughs> um so obviously you're creative, otherwise you wouldn't be here. Mm. I like to think you're creative. I think you're a little bit creative, one might say. A tad. Um, but, oh, yeah, so tell us what you do as a creative. Shall I introduce myself? Is that what you were trying to say? I mean, I introduced you, but tell them what they do. Tell them what, what is behind Banksy. Oh, what's behind Banksy is a very a, <laughs> a squalorful flat with a coffee table with something that looks like a vagina on it, but it's actually a vase. It's from HomeSense, darling. It's from HomeSense. It was on Reduced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, my name is Banksy. I, uh, as I've said, go by they, them. I am also a drag queen and visual performer who has performed in international spaces. Absolutely. Absolutely. All over. Got to say, uh, all over the UK. And I have... Also been a curator, a filmmaker, a model. Um, currently, um, I'm an all-round bad gal. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you've done that perfectly, to be honest. Thank you. I couldn't think of another word. Long. Uh, long. Lanky. Long. Lanky's the word. Lanky <laughs> bit. Long tall Sally. <laughs> the original. The original, the original long name. tall Sally. Nutbush city limits. Yes. <laughs> so when you're not doing, because we'll get into all that a little bit later on. What do you do when you're not being Banksy? I try and get a poo in once a week. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to be serious um, What do you do? What do I do? When you're not on stage, when you're not walking a runway God, when isn't that, you know? True God, so busy True uh, No, when I'm not doing the whole nightlife performance elements I also am a curator of a lot of uh, nightlife in Manchester We obviously have Mischief Cabaret, which is my cabaret at Feel Good Club An amazing uh, queer Get the plug-in, girl Sorry? Get the plug-in Yeah, plug-in, a queer-owned venue every Wednesday at the beginning of the month <laughs> Uh, once a month. That made no sense, but anyway. And then um, I also am a curator at Firehouse uh, and Ramona, which is a venue in Northern Quarter in Manchester, where we do uh, Runway, which is on a Thursday, and Fringe, which is on a Wednesday. Even when you're not, like, being the drag performer that you are, you're still doing, like, creative shit. Well, I think that my, in and out. my drag performance stuff has been really great, and it's also given me, like, a really amazing chance to see other elements of what entertainment looks like in the city but i always thought that drag can't last forever in my opinion i think i'll do drag for a very long time but i i know that i've got to because i'm a business-minded bitch very Mm. business-minded i've Mm -hmm. got to um have something else 
that I can, when my knees break and when my feet fall off, I've got to be able to do... And your waist pads out. Yeah, my waist pads out <laughs> and I become, like, poppy. Uh, <gasps> a fat bitch. I know, Josh. Excuse you. Excuse me, did I say something on the mic I shouldn't have? <laughs> Bugs, you said a bad thing. Um, no, when, I, when everything fails, uh, my heart and all that, I've got to have something to fall back on. And I think that curation was something I really wanted to get into. Because, mm-hmm. one, it pays so much better. <laughs> it does. It, it no, does. it doesn't pay amazingly right now, but I think once you get into a bit of a flow of being on a contract that's when it but what you do full-time is is the drag side of it so i feel like if the focus was curating Mm. you'd probably make more well i always think it's great for performers to get into events coordination because you know what it feels like to be on the other end of the stick so like i always work better as a drag queen when i'm being uh, managed or curated Mm -hmm. by someone who is also a performer because they know both sides of the coin so i wanted to be that person and be on both sides of the coin and it also means that you can set up your own stuff exactly which which you have yeah exactly and and yeah i'm a greedy bitch so it's like (laughs) i gotta have i gotta have things that i want to do but also you have i'm a massive control freak and i want to be able to control everything i do the club i know it's not a good thing but it's it's Got me places, I suppose, being mm-hmm. in some kind of controlling aspect of my life. You yeah, know. absolutely. And it's working for you, so... It's working quite well. Yes. Can't complain, can't complain. Can't complain, shouldn't never. So I wanted to cast your mind back. I want to first talk about, before we delve into everything else, how we first met. I can't remember. <laughs> you can't remember? I feel like I feel like you just infiltrated my life. I remember, like... That sounds about right. It was it was around about lockdown though. Yeah, it was around about lockdown, and I, and I, to be honest, through the trauma, I have cut a lot of that out of my head. To be honest, it's like almost no like weird flashbacks of like Kill Bill, where it's like the red light going. Yeah, that, someone on that bloody listening to this is going to absolutely seizure <laughs> from me doing that. Don't um, wear headphones. Don't wear headphones when Banksy does a Kill Bill impression. Um, <laughs> but I remember that obviously Rain, who we both love very much. Yes, I knew Rain. Um, from my online for anyone who doesn't know she's my drag mom drag mom um, and then I met you when you kind of threw through rain um, through the internet I threw rain to the wind threw rain to the wind honestly um, and then we sort of had conversations and just then you came to Manchester and we, we met each other yes indeed I think there was a little break in the in the lockdown where we were kind of allowed out but we couldn't sit with each other gorgeous sorry I just burped off camera we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't be like with each other, but you could kind of sit with people in like sixes or something like that. And I remember saying to my mom, I was like, "There's this queen, and she's really gorgeous, and I just want to, I just want to kind of like spread my wings because I know I'm going to move to Manchester anyway." Oh, um, who were you talking about? Uh, I think I was talking about Belinda Scandal. Oh yeah, good. <laughs> Do you have to cut that out? <laughs> no. I remember I borrowed. So I don't know where this wig is, and I'm probably gone missing now. But ages and ages blue, ago, the blue wig. Do you have it? I'll probably put it in the bin, love. But to be fair, it was rank. It was rank. It wasn't rank. It was just a terrible choice. It was me, you. This is the first time we went out together. It was me, you, Pepper, and... Dylan. 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 If you don't know Dylan down south, uh, she is a fashion girl. She is Dylan. She is Dylan, <laughs> if you didn't know. And then Pepper, it was a current contestant in the finale. We filmed this the day of the finale, haven't we? Of RuPaul's Drag Race season yeah. four. Uh, she's a current finale contestant. Indeed. And we are very, very good friends. She used to stay on my couch. She Every did. time she came to Manchester, she because did. you had to share the fucking couch. That particular, I did. That uh-huh. particular night, I think you'd done her makeup as well, because she'd come over to yours early, and we passed in the doorway. Ah, yeah. That blue, anyway, the story, that blue wig <laughs> was, so I wore that wig that night, and then the second time I was in Manchester, you lent me one of your blonde wigs. Which one? Big, blonde, with a... I was side part the big uh, cowlick, big, yeah. big crazy. I wore for when that I did one. a Centrinian's look when I was trying to be a hot totty. That's calm. Yeah, and that you were one. like, I don't know where this blue wig is, but you can have this one instead. Yeah, <laughs> I've not seen her since. I know. To be honest, I feel like I put her in pigtails or something for you at one point. She was rank, but anyway. she wasn't. She wasn't what you should be. You're more of a femme girl than that. She was plastic. She was plastic, not she, human. She was not that they all need to be human, but it was. It wasn't just synthetic. It was twink like, in a human hair wig. It was. Oh. I know a, tw- a twink from home. <laughs> That's also our uh, our catchphrase to each other is a mug from home. I don't know where it came from. I think it's because you brought a mug from home to mine. <laughs> oh no, it wasn't. I know exactly where it came from. It was, it was. We were going out on the night, and I was like, I had. I, we were we were pre-drinking. And I was using a mug, and I was like, you know what? I'll just. I didn't finish my drink fast enough, and I was like, oh, I'll just take it out. I'll bring a mug from home. A just mug a mug from, from home. home. A mug from home. <laughs> And then it's just this thing that we've got now. 
If you ever, if you ever got onto Drag Race, your entrance line for me would have to be, "I'm mug from home." home. <laughs> so it's coming in my bed, in my bed scruffs with a little mug <laughs> in my hand. That'd be funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, that's how we met. It was just. I feel like there's not really much to it, to be honest, because I very quickly moved here after that, and then you were here pestering you ever since. No, then you did, and then you. That's gonna have. That's gonna have to be cut out. Then you did. Shite, and then you did a. Uh... But we've moved on from that, and I feel like well, I don't know whether the you first... need to get onto another subject. I don't think we can involve this. It doesn't really matter. They don't know what I'm talking about. I've Go done. Those, I've done loads of different things. Yeah. Anyway, we work together more, which is great. Yeah, I've for been, me. I feel like I've been a very uh, infiltrating force in Poppy's life. Absolutely. But I've been giving her work because I've seen her house, and I thought <laughs> she needs to just get some more money. She needs to scrub up. And now, if I can get her a door. That'll be that'll all I'll be happy about because if you didn't Absolutely. know, Poppy's house doesn't have any doors. On it. <laughs> it's it's basically a cardboard it has box. Windows. It's a cardboard a, box. A door without a, a door frame without a door. And no, without a, a door, there's just men in and out day and night. She's gonna pay the rent, <laughs> you know. I mean, Holly's not happy about it, but she lives on, you know. She's studying the law so that we can pay for some doors. Studying the law so you can sue the man who come in at late at night. Sue the bitch. Sue the bitch. Sue mama. the bitch. Um, so I'm going back in further now. Yeah. I want to talk more about you. Um, oh, my favourite subject. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about your influences, but my influencers. Your influencers. Uh-huh. So yeah. from the very, very beginning, when you first started doing drag, how long ago was that? Now, eight, eight nine? years, eight years, eight years. Mm-hmm. So what are your influences then? And secondary question: How have they changed? to now Ooh. or have they changed at all that's a good question um so my Im- my influencers from back in the day were i mean i'm not gonna lie i hate these girls who you know are my age and your age and you know 42 and they've <laughs> they've said you know oh i started drag when i was 15 and i was inspired by a used obscure person in the entire world that yeah. actually when you were 15 you didn't know who that was like you, Josie jump is yeah my name i was like Bar-Mori. oh i really was inspired by lip synker when i was 15 like Who's that? Exactly. Well, Lip Syncer's incredible. But Lip Syncer's in Funky Town? No, no. Lip Syncer is a <laughs> one of the first people to do uh, a spoken word lip sync in like a thing in a thingy uh, setting. They were okay. an incredible performer. Um, but people who say that instead of actually saying what it really is, which is I watched RuPaul's Drag Race when I was 15. And then and, I jumped on Pretty Little Thing. And I jumped on Pretty Little Thing. I got myself a hard front wig from Smithies and I did it. You know what I mean? When I would easily, I could easily say I was inspired by fashion and then I was a crossdresser. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was inspired. You are now. I, I was inspired by RuPaul and RuPaul's Drag Race because it was on Netflix when I was 15 for the first time and they had all six series in one go. And I remember, it's so funny how life can change because I remember being a bit like, oh, Oh, I'm I'm gay, but I'm not that gay. I'm not doing. I'm not going to watch that. And I could see it, and it would be like da 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 da. And then one day, I was a bit ill, and I thought, you know what? I watch watch series five. Mm-hmm. I watch series five. So I watched one of the best. One of the best. Watch series five. Fell in love with Jinx and and Detox and all these amazing performers, mm-hmm. and then went backwards, and then watched one to four, then jumped to six, and then um. And I was really inspired by it. I thought, I want to do that. That's exactly what I do. I was a very feminine child. I was a person who loved to dress up. Mm-hmm. I still dressed up until I was about 14 and like yeah. dressed up as like a cat burglar and like, you know, put wigs on my head when I could find them and, and wore my mum's yeah. shoes and all this, that and the other. But by the time I was 15, they didn't fit anymore. Because um, my feet fit, got probably, big. They probably fit you now. I've got fucking boats, babe, <laughs> honestly. I'm allowed to swear. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Sorry. Right. F- um, and... <laughs> <laughs> but basically, that was my my big first influence, and then started doing drag that way. Got onto the whole Instagram drag circuit of like posting pictures and finding more queens Ooh. through Instagram. It was nice back then because yeah. I feel like you could get a decent uh, idea of people from the algorithm. But now it's so I difficult. can't imagine what it's like. But it was but like a network back then. That's what it was. Used it really for. was. And I used to be part of. Oh God, I did a I did one of those Instagram pageants. <gasps> yeah, and it was called. Oh, I really wish I could remember the name. It was like the intergalactic pageant or something like that. And it was mm-hmm. every week you'd do a look and it'd get posted. And da, da, da. Yeah. I remember on it, when I was on it, it was like Whack of Shame and like all these incredible performers who actually just did it for a bit of fun. Yeah. But they're actually really, really good. And they did it because they wanted to basically swamp it and take away 400 quid. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Which, which I was surprised at the prizes. Didn't make it very far, but made a network of people who now are doing incredible as well. So it's mm-hmm. like Twink Trash, who if you don't know who that is, they're... Um, they do... They do incredible, huge, like photography and performance stuff they were on um you know alaska does a drag 
a drag pageant it's yeah. like alaska's drag pageant that they mm-hmm. do uh, then the weekend of drag con in the u.s mm-hmm. um twink trash did that this year and I, i've known them for nearly eight years yeah um but they were influencing me and then my biggest influence was the manchester scene so i, w- I lived in wigan yeah which is only about 25 minutes out of um manchester city center and cheddar another finale uh, person on RuPaul's Drag Race. If you didn't know them, they're called Cheddar Gorgeous. They're pretty great. They used to put up these videos. You won't be able to find them anymore, but they were called Drag Me to Manchester. And they were before TikTok. She was a trailblazer because she used to do like TikTok style videos videos eight years ago of an amazing Was it Vine? Night. Was it very Vine? No, it was long. It was like minute videos, but she'd put them on Instagram and YouTube and stuff. And I would find them and there'd be like 60 of mm. them of every night that she had. And it was a night called Cha-Cha Boudoir, which was my first night out in drag. They were every Cha-Cha Boudoir, she'd do a video with all the people that were there edit who they were and all their stuff and it looked so much fun and i fell in love with the family gorgeous and then made the decision that i was like i'm gonna be like that i'm yeah. gonna do that i'm gonna go to manchester so two more years trying to get their attention then never <laughs> that did. is always the way yeah and then at 18 i was like thinking where i was gonna go to uni all this kind of stuff and i thought well they give you like 10 grand a year don't they on maintenance mm. loan and that could pay for drag so Absolutely. I'll go Manchester University, MMU, not Manchester University. Yeah. I went to the shit one. MMU, the Polytechnic. Um, <laughs> and I went to MMU, I did a film degree because I was really interested in film at the time. And then um, with all the money they give you from student loan, it was like, who gives a shit about rent? I'll get, I'll get a new wig. I'll get some new shoes. I'm going to go mm-hmm. out. So my first 18th birthday, I went to Cha Cha I met them all. It was, it was like wow yeah i don't know if you can't even do pictures but i look like absolute dog shit i spent months I'll making this outfit it's such a good outfit. i'll show you after this um <laughs> met them then every week every month i would go for about six months and i would literally stalk them trying to get them to know me try and infiltrate the group try and uh-huh. this that and the other they knew me by about christmas that same year of me being 18 and then they basically went you're really good would you like to join our drag lab Sick. and have a studio and pay a hundred pound a month uh-huh. had no money Scr- but you said scrimped. absolutely yes and i was like this is the biggest opportunity i can get and literally i would not have my career without for those first two years of like till i was 20 mm-hmm. them giving me as much gigs as they did like they mm-hmm. literally just threw me into entertainment and were like don't care if you're not good do it you're gonna do it yeah. and that's the biggest thing for me is that i had such an incredible group of people who literally like, trained me yeah like, all the way up i feel like people don't want like they don't look for that anymore they it's not so, a very collective because, thing anymore no a lot of queens go out on their own like i'm so glad that i don't have like a house per se i have my chosen family and there are some drag queens in that but like nobody has there's not many big groups hmm. so there's obviously the family gorgeous and then there's some other families in manchester and hmm. there's some in london but i wouldn't i wouldn't say that being a collective is at the forefront of their goal they're very very like independent work for yourself kind of like i feel that's really sad because i feel you lose an element of like um and not to call my family old in any way but they are older than me do you agree though i agree that that's what's happening totally but i feel like it's sad because you miss on this sort of passed down generational stuff of drag where i luckily you know my I'm not going to say who, but some of my drag family are 20 years older than me, are 15 years older than me. One of my best mates in drag is 10 years older than me. Do you know what I mean? And like, I'm the baby, you know? And then you get the influence passed down. I get it all passed down. And literally I had like, they had worked so hard to create identities and concepts and da, da, da. And I've literally been able to like pull inspirations from them. Also like knowing what it is to be a queer person from that perspective. Like, you know, they, Mm. they were out in the nineties, like doing drag in the two thousands. And like, that is a a bit of information, which I would never have the experience of, but they've told me about and told me things like they give you a rain, they give not a rain check. They give you a, a reality check and go, you you need to check yourself because we never had this we we you need to be humble you need to know what you've got because this in the 2000s you couldn't do that yeah you weren't allowed to do that you'd be killed like we need like even though it was the 2000s and it was it wasn't drag race it was underground it was filthy drag wasn't cool drag wasn't sexy it was a protest it was a protest but also it was like some people looked proper down on you for doing drag it was like oh you Mm. little mingers like yeah like why are you there is a bit of a disconnect between which is why I don't know, in, in my mind, from when I met you, I always thought you were a lot older than me. Thank you, the not face. For, <laughs> not, from look, not from looking at you, but from your... Mannerisms. The, the mannerisms, the way you go about your art, your art and the way you create stuff, it has, like, a wisdom to it. 
It's and totally influenced from them. Yeah, there's a disconnect between like my generation, the generation below, and the older queer people. Mm. And I, you, and you, because you don't have that, mm. it made me think that you were older. But that's because I was the youngest. I think you have to remember, like I was in drag. I mean, it sounds weird, but five years ago there wasn't drag race uk it was yeah. only the us version not a lot of people were doing drag well people were doing drag but not as much a lot as they more are now yeah it's like doubled and tripled mm-hmm. but like i was the baby of a group of very successful well-established people and so i almost had to evolve to be those people yeah. also i feel like a lot of drag families now or drag collectives or friends um we had it very lucky that we had such an influence of one different styles of drag but also the fact that we had amazing i had amazing trans elders and and trans women in my life who were like taught me the ways of what gender was and and influenced my identity massively people like laurie and grace honey smith Mm -hmm. and you know and fee and all these incredible people who i saw like powerful trans women i've never met a trans woman before like and through them i was like oh my god my my identity is more aligned with that than it is with drag like yeah. this is crazy i think when i when i look at um when you were saying about how they're all very different mm. the, your, your family not just the family gorgeous but also like the people that you have around you mm. you're kind of like gym leaders and elite four because you all kind of like bring something different yeah if that makes sense i feel like it, and also we stretch out quite far so like the initial uh, family gorgeous is like cheddar anna lil and grace mm. um and Blair are like the the, the I love Blair. The, me too. Are the top are the top kind of not top in a way the of originals. like hierarchy, but then they had babies. So like Grace had Laurie, Cheddar and Anna had Licky. Then yeah. like Laurie had Bo, mm-hmm. and then like I was Where like do you a, fall? I was I've always said that I am the bin baby. So like in the way the of like soup. they've had they've had actual children which they've birthed themselves. I'm like the one they found in the bin that was had a mother that we don't know. Like <laughs> okay. and they're like oh we'll just take care of the bin baby like for a, a little bit. Foster kid adopted yeah. exactly. So because they didn't make my drag, they sort of just em- like took my drag in and embellished my drag. So I always say that they're my drag mentors more than they are my parents because Mm -hmm. they did mentor me massively in my sort of career but the family gorgeous sort of family style is it is very it's not rigid but you know it's like it is something that they take a lot of pride in is Mm -hmm. the fact that they've made a collective a family and And you can tell as well when you when you are together when you perform you all like bring something different as well so Mm -hmm. it's not it's not we all love each other as well does a lip sync to the song that's in the charts at the minute, it's not like, <laughs> we, it doesn't rely on human hair wigs and like a uh, perfect paint. Well, that's one thing that Cheddar and Anna did, t- did teach me is that concept is stronger than look. So mm. having a concept for what you are doing on that stage, I, the look m- goes towards it, the number goes towards it. I the saw mix. Anna on stage the other week dressed as a fucking spider. With with like a spider web inside of inside her skirt, her dress. and it shot out a fucking like web that she wrapped someone up in. It's a th- it's theater. It's a story. Yeah. Like everything they say is that it has to have a concept and a story surrounding it. whatever you're doing. Mm. Think of why you're doing it. Think of who the character is. That kind of stuff. And that doesn't mean that like uh, people who do drag that can like pass as women and can give femme and lip sync isn't good drag because it fucking is but like, that's one of my favorite things to watch to be honest yeah it's like well i love watching trans entertainers that's one of my favorite things i love yeah my concept is showgirls i'm fucking like Neil, oh. i'm in a relationship with a showgirl like you know like vegas yeah like no it's Rockets. like the 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 miss continental side of like okay like the idea of like when we had when miss continental was happening in the u.s like they it was a drag competition, but trans women were connected to it in some way. And it was like the idea that, I think because it was like the 80s and 90s, and it was the idea that drag transitioned into transness, you know what I mean? Yeah. And but then these showgirls who were like just the hyper feminine, the most people, they would, those girls to me, and you know, I have people in Manchester like that, like like Grace Honey Smith, who is, is one of the best entertainers I've ever watched in my life. And one of the best speakers as well. She's inspired me like from day one. But um watching the way she performs inspired me when I was really young because it was just like, it was just like the most beautiful women, mm-hmm. but knowing that they are the most powerful thing in the room. It's the confidence. A lot of a lot of the best performers that I see on stage are the ones that you know that they know yeah. how good they are. Yeah. That and is half the battle. You it, can be, it is. you can actually be shit, be extremely confident in it and 
That's half the sound. Mm-hmm. That is fifty percent of the mark. I mean, Grace used to walk like she'd be on the Schloss stage, and she'd just stand there and lip sync and look at you in the eye. She'd walk down to a straight man sitting, a straight cis man sitting in the corner, and she'd just grab him by the neck and then lip sync into his face. You just melt. I know. And then she'd just strip and be like, <laughs> "I am, I. You will never be able to touch me." Because I am, I am exuding so much power and confidence that you would, you are completely out of the league of being able no to get you're close so to good. me. All these people around you from the beginning, like it's no wonder. Yeah, it's no wonder. I know. And then obviously I've got All now, who incredibly inspires me, and she's she's mm-hmm. like getting to this point now where she is just so powerful on stage, and mm-hmm. it's like we can get into that a little bit later. So a little segue off that. Can you remember what your vision was for your creative outlet? So drag. Did you have a vision for what you wanted it to be? Um, I think, funnily enough, when I was younger, I used to be like a musical theatre person. So I used to Get sing. Away. I know, oh, mad that, innit? I used to sing, I used to dance, like I used to like act and all this, that and the other. And then when I, I did that from like age five to like age 13. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped because I thought it's not cool anymore. It's not good. Like it's weird. Yeah. And then I just kind of did the acting for a bit. Try, I thought I'd be an actor kind of thought, oh, I'll, I'll sing a little bit more. Then I stopped singing because my voice changed. I used to be a soprano and then I became a bass and I didn't know what to do. Oh, um, we have all been there. We have all been One there. One day I'm singing Adele. The next day I'm singing Luther like... Vandross. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, and then sort of just stopped it for a bit. But then I started drag and was like, well, this is the best way of me doing everything. And da, da, da. I didn't feel confident enough to sing in such a public setting, which I'm trying to get back to doing. But I could, I could perform. And that's all I ever wanted to do was perform. I love performing. And I think people look at me as an entertainer and they think oh she's very fashion she does that's her that's her shtick is that mm-hmm. she's pretty and tall and long but when i went into drag i didn't know i was pretty and long and tall like i thought she was blind well i was blind no but i was the one who was bullied as a kid who was like the bean pole who had no shape and i thought that that was the ugliest thing in the world um, and i had a lot of issues because of that but i then moved to manchester thinking i'll just be the funny one i'll just make people laugh or i'll just be like silly and perform and, and do cabaret stuff and whatever and then I got to Manchester and people were like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. You're so long. Your your body's incredible. Look at your arms. The real like, reason is because you're so tall. People can't see your face. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you fucking... Um, but like, then I, then I realized that I could do fashion stuff. So I, I researched and got more into it and found mm-hmm. influences, which I loved. And, da, 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 da. and then I realized, actually, I can be a quadruple threat and do everything. But Absolutely. I can also surprise people more because people, me and all have this similar thing that we say where it's like, you can be the most beautiful person in the room and people will despise you as soon as you walk on until you crack a smile and then yeah. they'll fall in love with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. As soon as it's you show guard, your personality, guard down. Yeah, then they'll go, oh my God, they're, they're, they have everything, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and that's the, what the I best do. feeling is, is surprising people you're right. Mm-hmm. There's certain situations that I've been in where people think one thing about me and then as soon as I catch wind of it, mm. I go in the complete opposite direction and do X, Y, and Z that they don't know and they go oh my actual god well like, people get shocked by the, by the way in which you perform because people have heard you sing and go oh my god they can obviously sing i'll just i'll just listen to them sing yeah but you have so many more avenues to what you do where it's like you don't only just sing you almost the audience is just a bigger job to you as the actual song is literally so it's like you you talk to the audience you like get them going you move them up you create the energy like it's incredible mm-hmm. to watch like I, I can, I love watching people just sing, and that is that's why it's funny you say this because it's kind of like you in my head because I started drag because I wanted to perform. You wanted to sing, and I wanted to sing, mm. and I thought no one wants to hear me sing as it's kind of like my go-to line. No one wants to hear me sing as a boy, so I'm gonna go and do everything that I'm doing already. Yeah, but in a wig and heels, and there's freedom. There's avenues to that, you know. I, absolutely. So I, I feel like everything that I've done up until now my musical theatre, which you've done as well. Mm. Every dance class I've taken, every time I've been on stage, it's kind of been like a warm-up. Yeah, so, totally. I completely it's only, agree. It's only now that I'm starting to pull absolutely everything from that yeah. together. And when I do, it just it seems to just go my way. Wow, that's good. It's I love it. Wow. And you do the exact same thing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's exactly the same as you. Using everything that you've done so far, you're curating so that you can make your own show your musical mm. theatre so that you can like blow it out of the park and people think that you're beautiful and you actually can do the fucking Charleston yeah. as well 
Like, I mean, I'm still certain shoes. That's all I'll say. Certain <laughs> shoes can make it happen. But I've seen you jump off a stage in pleasers and then continue to Charleston. Yeah, I do enjoy doing that. I also can jump. And that's why I broke my ankle. Actually, was jumping from <laughs> jumping from the. If anyone's ever been to Albert Schloss, the long tables. I jumped from one of the long tables to the stage, and then I usually can do it. But I was in six-inch uh, stiletto heels, and my heel just snapped underneath me, and my foot just rotated into itself, oh my and God. I just snapped my ankle. And I was like, I kept performing. And and we do, and we and we dealt with it. And then I had another number afterwards, and I thought it's not broken. It can't be broken. So I just said, "Oh, wear me big boots that can that hold it together." And I did a an LED whip number, just whipping a whip around. Oh, sick! And was like, and then when I got off, I nearly passed out because my foot hurt that bad. I was like, I'm gonna have to go to hospital now. It's the commitment. I'll miss the curtain call. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll just go to hospital. It'll be fine. Get me in um, the MRI. Yeah. In full geesh. I've been in there in full geesh. Oh, you have, Anya? I have. That was uh, a week after I borrowed that wig off you. Oh, my God. Um, okay, back on topic. Topic. The, so, the chocolate bar with the nuts. The that is you. Yes. Um, now you do lots of different things. So yes. you do Firehouse, which you've spoken a bit about. You do Albert Schloss and so many other things. London Fashion Week. But where did you start and what was your favourite shit to do? Well, started. I think that, so I don't know if anyone knows. It's a completely different scene. Oh, it was very different back in the day. Um, it was a lot more queer underground, which is what I was liking in those days. Because obviously mm-hmm. you had all these amazing sort of, what I would call straight bars who hire queer entertainers. Yeah. Um, you also had a, quite a lovely alternative underground scene when I was starting. It probably been going for long after, long before me. But mm-hmm. um, if anyone knows Bo Azra, who is an incredible curator, also a singer, um, my flatmate now didn't used to be. Mm-hmm. They did a brilliant night called Creatures of Catharsis in association with Grace Annie Smith, who is obviously yeah. a fam- uh, member of the family Gorgeous. And they were doing a night called Creatures, and basically it was a you'd go and you'd like a, almost like an open mic, and you'd trial numbers okay and you do it for free kind of like a workshop workshop but it was like it it started off being quite small and quite like you know probably it was downstairs at jimmy's i don't know if jimmy's doesn't exist anymore but it was probably seats 50 people like Mm -hmm. tiny little underground bar with a really lovely stage Mm -hmm. um 50 people we sat down there and it was almost like a weird little like smoking room where people would be really like crazy and people would do weird stuff on stage and you just go, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. It then got so much traction that a, a place where 50 people could sit became a 200 person standing. Like, Sick. And you would go, I'd go for free every single month and I would trial a new thing. I'd trial a new number. I did my first ever live performance that it was horrible. But people <laughs> clapped, people cheered and Footage people Footage can be found it. online. I did, to- oh, what's her name? Not Tony Collette. I did, um, Tori Amos. This one? Not that one. Oh. I know it now. Tori Amos. It was a Tori Amos song <laughs> called Leather. And I did it and I literally just had a red suit on and I took the jacket off and took my pants off. And I thought that was burlesque. It wasn't. <laughs> um, and yeah, I did it there and it just became this really gorgeous, gorgeous place to like trial art numbers. But it was also incredibly alternative. You know, you'd have, you'd have live musicians, you'd have poets you'd have drag performers cabaret mm-hmm. performers and it just became a really lovely environment as well where people felt really safe and there'd be crazy people in the audience that's where juno did her first number ever juno birch yeah um and then obviously has soared into fame mm-hmm. so it's almost like we look back at it now and we go oh my god that was a really cool little speakeasy where we all used to meet you know how like bet midler used to work at like a little gay sauna where also lady gaga used to kind of go down to and da-da. yeah like all this crazy stuff there's um, nothing like this is what I was talking about earlier. Is there's not like that now. Yeah, I people, feel I can feel I'm creating people trying mischief to, to kind of be similar. Yeah, um, because I wanted to kind of feel a little bit more orientated around community more than it's orientated around budget and yeah. and price and who the biggest name is and da da da. You know, we sell one fifty tickets a month and like that's great that you know a queer owned bar by two lesbian people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a night run by trans people mm-hmm. who book trans and queer people and POC people and go oh you know what I want to I want to be involved with that I want to support all that and people want to mm-hmm. do that and that's really really exciting for me mm-hmm. uh, what was the initial question just where, where no let's was. talk about, let's talk about mischief okay. so explain to the the listeners a little bit what mischief is why did you st- and then why did you start it is what I wanted to ask you what made you want to do that so I'll explain what mischief is to begin with mischief is a queer run uh, cabaret for queer people and it is basically a feel-good club in manchester which is a bar 
owned by Kira and Amy, who... Coffee shop during the day. Coffee shop during the day. Incredible coffee. Incredible uh, nightlife spot in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and they opened that venue in the middle of lockdown and had really, really great success. They also have a book out um, called Feel Good Club, which is all about, like, they have amazing TikTok as well. If you have their TikTok, it's really great. It's all about, like, self-love and, like, being able to, like, get through the day and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff because mental health is going absolutely through the roof right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and, and Miss Chief kind of started from... So, <laughs> it's actually a quite funny story. Me and Laurie, who, um, Laurie is a brilliant performer, um, previously known as Violet Blonde, currently actually also known as Violet Blonde. Her and me, we uh, started a night at, if anyone knows, Blue Rinse, cha- a little yes. charity shop. Little, well, no, vintage shop. It's a vintage shop, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, I started that, what was it, probably about 2019. One of the first things I ever put on was a night called Love Yourself Cabaret. Um, and we did that where we put a runway in the center of a, a shop. And when we'd we'd get people to perform for free, a bit like what Creatures used to do, mm-hmm. but in the day. And it was just like, kind of on a Saturday, people would come and go, oh my God, there's like a full cabaret drag show happening. And shop in between. In the middle of a shop. <laughs> That's and it was really, really fun for a while. And it was a gorgeous venue. Um, it kind of fell apart because things happened that I can't speak about. On this all, thing. Right. all I'll say is it was the weekend of Pride. Uh. And which is rough enough already. Which is rough as it was. But we just never did one. We only did four. Four months. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of gave up. And then I thought a year or two later, I was like, I'm going to bring it back. But I'm going to re- I'm gonna bring back the idea of curating a cabaret, but I'm going to do it a different way. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, what's a good idea? Mischief. I love rats. Rats is my identity. Because it's Banksy, rats, whatever. Mm-hmm. And a mischief is what you call a group of rats. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would be really cool. So Mischief Cabaret came. Also Miss Chief, which is femme. Welcome to the stage, Miss Chief. Miss Chief. Well, Miss Chief 2022. We're hoping to do a pageant at some point. Um, but Inside scoop. Inside scoop right now. <laughs> so we, we we approached another venue, and we thought, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do it there. And we did start doing it there. Can I throw some tea in as well? You can throw some tea in. Yeah. I mean, I horrible I place to work. Horrible, horrible people. Um, they are really disrespectful to trans and non-binary artists is that what drove you towards because obviously feel good is the complete opposite is that what drove you towards using feel good as a venue well it was kind of a bit of a longer time that because we did our first opening one um which went blinding success by the way but it was um it's just we wish that they had put more effort into it as much as we had and the budget was great and that's the only thing they paid us off to basically do whatever but then when it came to the actual night like we did the first one and it was in the middle of covid and a mistake was made uh, with an entertainer that basically like got a little bit too naked for the sex licensing mm-hmm. um, that there wasn't present but we didn't know we weren't informed of that um, because it was uh, just outside of lockdown but still restrictioned yeah um, they basically went crazy and, and the police went crazy checked all this stuff and made a comment saying uh, to the police saying it couldn't have been a naked performer because they were trans they would have had a penis then on top of that that made us incredibly upset because the genitals of our performers are not to be commented about. No. One, in a police um, report. report. And two, in any sense of the word, you don't need to you don't need to save your back by commenting on someone's genitals. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I, since then, I've gone, I've never wanted to work with them ever again. They've offered me to do things with them. I don't want to ever work with them again. And I found an incredible venue like Feel Good, which has lifted me up. Yeah. And lifted up not only me, but people like Bo, who is our show manager, and, and given them amazing opportunities, given me amazing opportunities, believed in us. And also after that first meeting we had with Feel Good, we felt so high because they were just like, like two queer people being like, we understand this. We understand this. We are so open to you. We just want to be able to like make things happen for you. And, and we want to be a partner in this. And I was like, that is never heard of in the industry. So I just never want to leave them. Feel Good are one of the best things that ever happened to my career. And I think they're absolutely incredible. Yeah. yeah. In, an, in an ideal world, you'd have that experience like anywhere and that would be a a default it's the pink pound at the end of the day it's like some companies want queer entertainers because they know it'll make money but they don't know how to deal with them they don't know they don't know how to but they don't know how to communicate and and respect respect us in a way because they just want to be like oh you we want we'll give you some money we'll make it happen but you're not people to us you just do it we'll not treat you like real people we'll treat you how we want to treat you not how you want to be treated you know what I mean yeah and I think if you're booking queer people you need to understand different things and you need to be educated in queer life because if you're not then we're bringing you a packed house Mm -hmm. and paying your bills and paying your business rates but you're not actually giving anything back to us in the sense of like respect do you know what I mean yeah 
<laughs> I just went the, off. Up. Sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. I'll beat the things up. I think the point of, I think it's important to mention because of the the trajectory of what you're working on has gone and what's. You can say feel good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's yeah. important to you is the, the movement, not the not the incident. Yeah. Yeah, it's where you are now. I think the how you got there and what's important to you in yeah. what you curate. There are incidents as well. Respect. There are loads of incidents that happen that people don't get to hear about, and mm-hmm. I think that. The names don't need to be said, but you can say no. what they did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's it's the the premise of it and the message. Yeah. Your cabaret is something that you take very seriously that requires a certain respect level that shouldn't... Shouldn't be should, faulted. Shouldn't yeah. be, like... It's it not up for discussion. It's not up no. for it's not up for anything to be discussed about the respect of performers and entertainers. Mm-hmm. I take respect for entertainers incredibly seriously. Yeah whatever they need you know and especially seeing as a, gr- a great proportion of our of our entertainers are, are trans non-binary mm-hmm. or neurodivergent in some way yeah and i think that's an incredibly important thing to discuss is different disability levels when it comes to performers and being able to meet disability needs yeah that really aren't discussed like the good thing about feel good is that it's a completely accessible venue um and it's accessible to a, a wide range of people but also it's completely understandable that some neurodivergent people within the audience get quite overwhelmed but they still want to see it yeah but they get quite overwhelmed so there are seats near the back where people won't be as overwhelmed by the by the volume wheelchair access wheelchair access being able to feel comfortable enough to wear headphones within the venue if you feel like you get overstimulated in mm-hmm. some way like all those things are things that need to be generic throughout yeah because i mean i think it's something like i don't have a statistic but i think i think personally that a massive range of queer people are neurodivergent in some way yeah i think being should be like things set up for those people and i think your your cabaret is not only for the people that come Mm. um for the audience members but also the performers like we are extremely looked after and that's down to the venue but also down to you as well well i want to make so sure everyone feels important. like they're in, a, they're in their front room performing for their mum do you know what i mean like yeah. i used to do that's the that's my main thought process at mischief is like i want people to think that it's like a family christmas mm-hmm. and everyone's getting on stage and going oh there's auntie june and put the quality Uncle street wrappers over the light bulbs yeah exactly that's not a biscuit and it's a sewing kit jesus <laughs> christ what the fuck um but yeah that's what i want i want pure comfortability queer love queer joy you know that's the kind of vibe for me yeah i think i think you you ooze that thank you that's that's yeah i would say that so i'll moving towards the end of the end of this episode but um i did want to ask so you've come so far there's so many things that's going on now and that has gone on you've set up your own cabaret which is like one of a kind in the in the in the city what is the next thing for you what is there something that you've always wanted to do or something that you've not been able to do yet that's on the cards I don't really know. I feel like every year I've planned something. So, like, I've always put a goal in my year for drag. So, like, my first one was to perform at Cha Cha Boudoir. Then it was to perform at Albert Schloss. Then it was to do Fashion Week. Then it was to do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've always met it. And then for this year, I've not actually thought of one. I think the one I wanted for the year year we've just in currently, because we're filming this in late November, um, it was to go back to my roots. So, it was, like, learn to sing again and learn to do more choreo and remember what I used to do and what talents I have and Mm. things like that and do things I want to do. Um, For the following year, I think it's to gain a bit more control in in my separation Mm -hmm. between, you know, I've gone incredibly hard and and worked really, really hard for like a number of years. And I think, I don't want to take a step back, but I want to be able to balance a bit better. So it's like, I want to be able to have a home life. I have a brilliant partner. I want to spend time with my partner. I want to be able to, you know, work. I remember, I remember I used to work one night a week and I remember when I used to be like, I want more, I want more, I want more. And now I want to work like two, three nights a week, but also have a couple of days off and be able to like chill out, you know? And how do you find that? So about that balance. So obviously I'm, we're both in, queer relationships with mm-hmm. other with another performer yeah how do you find that balance i think it's all about communication for us personally if anyone doesn't know i'm with um a absolutely gorgeous and brilliantly minded partner called all who is a trans woman who is pretty sick and an incredible performer mm-hmm. um and it's evolved our relationship as it's gone by and i think yeah. i just want to be with her because i love her yeah and her identity and the way she lives her life and who she is when we're in our sanctuary yeah that's all i care about really Mm -hmm. and um and you know like we did we did um 
stories of sort of self and love and these home stories. Yes. And uh, mine was to her and it was a letter to her that I wrote and I, I, I read it out to her. Was it for Selfridges? Yeah, it was outside Selfridges and you yeah. got to like scan a barcode and it was all about our first date and it was like all these things where it actually spoke about how I don't care who you become or who you evolve to be. I just want to be part of that journey and like mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. But being a performer in that sense, which is your original question, is um, <laughs> it's about having that communication. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the fact that we get frustrated with the amount of time we spend away from each other. You know, so it's like mm-hmm. we spend three months together and then she spends eight weeks away doing yeah. uni and then she comes back for another month and yeah. then it's eight weeks away and then da, 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 da. So we miss each other terribly. But when we're together... We can do everything we want in the day and we're very independent people in our relationship. I do my stuff, she does her stuff. And then we come back and we have our sanctuary where we have our room and we talk and we communicate and we make food and we, we enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that my one rule for performers is who are in relationship with other performers is to be as independent as you can while also being two people in a, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I hate those people who like say that, say it was your relationship, those people who were like get invited to a party as, oh, pop and hall. Or like, you know, you're, you're, you're two, you're, you're not one person and we're one person. We're two separate people. Yeah, you're, you're seen as being like, oh, you're the same person, you're in one I relationship. I hate people that talk through me to get to hall. That is exactly versa. what we have to go through. Exactly it's, the it's same. It's really annoying. Oh, can you can you ask Hall this or can I literally did it the other day. Can you ask Poppy this? I just send her the number and go, yeah. you can call her yourself. It's not yeah. my business. But we have I think but I can't speak for you, but like for me and Hall, where we are best is when we can independently do what we need to do mm. but also support each other yeah i love seeing her perform i love i want to be able to go and watch her perform without meaning to be in drag i want to be able to like that is the best yeah and go and support my partner sit. you know yeah as a partner like she is the queen of scotland in my opinion have you have, you know she's like really well off in scotland like yeah she so she lives <laughs> when she's not living down here she lives in uh fife in st andrews and um and it's so amazing when I get to go up and visit. I'm going next week. She goes to Glasgow and literally, like, she gets stopped on the street and people go, "Oh my god, oh, oh my god, how are you?" Da, 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 da. Or they go, "Oh, Vil," mm-hmm. and they just talk to her like, like she's some kind of famous person. And I'm standing there thinking, "No one's talking to me." <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but, why am I? But, but being those little things, but it really relaxes so me, and it really makes me feel so happy because I'm like, "Oh, she's got, she's a fucking star." Yeah. Like, and she she hosts and she does all these amazing things up there where she like. That she has like a trans fundraiser like every every month up in up in St Andrews at the university. And she doesn't need you. She doesn't need you holding her hand. No, but she doesn't need. She at does all. need your support as well. Yeah, because I can and, be her that's, emotional. That's the sweet support. spot. Yeah, exactly. Like in work, she's incredibly confident. I I sometimes think that I make it worse when I'm there. <laughs> like I make it almost a bit bad because it's almost like well, well, oh well, what, what's Johnny gonna think? Oh shit, I've just. Just dead name dead name myself. Well, yeah. <laughs> what banks are you gonna think when yeah. you know they're when when I'm on stage or whatever? To, but because yeah. you know, what I, I mean. Well, when like, I'm most nervous is when because, when Holly's there because in or out of drag. When I'm on stage, yeah, I'm the I perform the best when Holly's there. Mm. But I I don't I don't give a shit if there's 250 people there. If there's just ever, her, gonna be a million people there. Mm. Uh, or if it's just her, I will always feel more nervous. With we'll her. always feel more nervous because I. You want to show off? I want to show off. Mm. And also, not that wasn't the point I was going to make. Obviously, I do. But it's the... I know how much they value what I do. Mm. So I want to give them everything. Give them a big show. Be like, yeah. I want to make you literally scream. If it, yeah. yeah. And and she fucking does. I bet she does. I've not heard, I've not heard <laughs> through the wall recently. but <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be an audience of people that I have no idea. They don't know what I can do. They don't know my potential. I love but a blank she audience. Does, she does. So like I feel like I need to give that mm. every time. Well, that's what like when I'm when I host, I get way more nervous when I know the audience. I just yeah. like I feel like I'm not talking to friends. I'm talking to like because I can treat a group of strangers as my mates, and I'll be like, oh, "You don't know me from Adam. I'll just be lovely mm. to you." But then there's certain people who are at the in the crowd where I go, "Oh shit!" Like yeah. if I say something a bit off the cuff, they're gonna talk to me about it later and call me a twat. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's just I think relationships in in performance mode are great. You just need to have separation where yeah. you can be real like all all's the only person who can call me by my, by my birth name like and i'm okay with that because i want there to be a separation between the two worlds of yeah. like because everyone calls me banksy everyone does everywhere i go mm-hmm. the only people who don't are all i mean mum i mean and i mean dad like that's mm-hmm. the only thing 
And that's okay because I want them to have a separation. I want to be able to switch off. I want to be able to relax. Although I don't identify with that name anymore, it does sometimes feel like I can turn down a little bit. Yeah, it can be used as a a, a safe house. Yeah, a, little, a safe space. Safe house available on Spotify. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> it's on Spotify. It is. Oh my god, you've got money, you. So that's your goal for next year is to ha- to delve more into that safe zone and have more time to just be and have a dog. And have a dog. I need to get a dog. I won't live without a dog right now. I just really need a dog. Any pups listening in can be more than happy to subscribe. Not those kind. No, they're lovely. Oh, no, they're lovely. Good they're boy. gorgeous. <laughs> Honestly, some of, some of the nicest people are in the pup community. Pup community. In, I used to work on the door in when the, the pups community. came in. Yeah. Indeed. Honestly, some of the, the nicest people in the world are rubber boys. Indeed. You give um, me a good cuddle and you feel all wet. <laughs> Because they're pissing down your leg. Oh, I know. No, no, I don't mind it. No, no. It's probably quite common for you, isn't it? I know. I'm very nervous. I'm like a shit in chihuahua. Um, so I think that's pretty much all of my questions, and you've answered everything that I have. Lovely. Um, do you have any final words or anything that you want to say? Or um, the revolution will not be televised. Um, no, I, my, my final words will just be. Uh, Come down to Mischief Cabaret uh, when the next one comes. Actually, when will this be airing? Uh, I don't want to put a date on it, but probably like okay. early 23. Okay, so there'll be a Mischief Cabaret at the first Wednesday of every month coming. So whenever this airs, who knows? Also, uh, Firehouse, Ramona, Diecast, Albert Schloss, all amazing venues. Um, as well as that, uh, love to all my transistors. I hope they're all good. Love to all my fam. Uh... That sounds shit, actually. I shouldn't say that. Wait, I'll just say... Hi, Mom. Trans liberation now. (laughs) We will not be televised. No peace, no justice. (laughs) The end. Goodbye. Have a lovely rest of your day. That's gorgeous. Well, thank you so much for for joining me. What are you having for your tea? Uh, I'll have to ask Holly. She does all the cooking, all the cleaning. Mm, Little little housewife. House twink. Have you heard this phrase, house twink? No, what's that? Google it. Google it on TikTok. I'm at my mum. Google it on Spotify. Have a look. So you type in uh, house twink. It's like a little twink that Sam's not a twink, by the way, but for the premise he is. Um, you type in house twink and they're basically like gays that their partners go out and do their day and work and bring home the bacon. And they like cook and clean and <laughs> it's so funny. That's what I do with all, but she literally just like plays Fortnite and like <laughs> doesn't clean. <laughs> no, she works very hard as well. So you le- yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming. Thank you. I very um, much appreciate it. I'm sure I'll have you on again. Yeah. When you, when and do you invoice? When your fee's gone up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll invoice you some Greg's. There we go. Yeah, we got a, we got a festive bake, the new vegan one. It's incredible. It, by the time this airs, it'll be gone. But It will be gone. I'll just subconsciously, someone put it in their freezer. Oh my God, they should do that. Like you freeze your eggs. You freeze your No, you freeze your Greg's. <laughs> No, but I mean, if they just had like a, I'm really going off topic. Sorry, I'll shut up. Freeze, Greg's, please create a box of freezable, like, pasties and stuff, and the vegan bakes, and then we can put them in our freezer for the whole year round. Anyway, goodbye. Um, <laughs> bye. Bye. That was good. I'd love it if that hasn't been recording.